welcome to episode 12 of Bastard Pastors, which is Donald Draper's favorite spiritual podcast. Because he's a bastard, get it? Don Draper from every episode. Mad Men. Mad Men. It's a TV show it. that some people. Oh, I know the I know the show. I just. And we're here with Jana. How do you say your last name? Reister. Reister. That's what I was gonna go with. Um, from Knox Presbyterian Church. Uh, like last week, she is someone of high church. Where we are low church. Oh, that's right. We have, I haven't even put the last week's up yet. So yeah. I, was, I um, thought you were calling Massey High Church. No, 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 nope. no. <laughs> nope. Uh, we met with Russell from... From uh, Covenant. From Covenant, yes. 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 So he was on last week. Oh, great. Um, and uh, did not want his parents to hear. <laughs> I don't know what he thought we were going to say. <laughs> because like, of the B word? I think I so. Know, no, yeah, I think that's exactly right. <laughs> uh... And so I met Jana through Red Tree yeah. Coffee Shop, uh, and I've always thought you were awesome. And I've never actually been to Knox, but our, we had Cub Scouts there for a long time. That's right, um, the Pinewood But Derby. it's very nice. Mm. It's like the nicest place. Um, and so when I heard you were the pastor, I was like, oh my gosh, she must be like the best in the world. Because it's like, it's like, it's like... The neighborhood you drive through, like, oh, whoever's at that church seems pretty important, and, you know, no one's ever heard of our church, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> it, look, it looks exactly what a church is supposed to look I know. like, I think. Except I love it, it doesn't have a steeple. Oh, that's true. So oh. when I worked at a Presbyterian church, we put a new building on it, the Presbyterian Church of Westchester, and um, them raising the steeple was a huge deal for the church, like... The entire church took that day off work, the day that the crane was going to put the steeple on, and it became this big deal. Like, and it was cool to watch in a, like, a quaint Americana sort of like, oh man, this, the people were really proud of the church and rising up. But they put a bell tower in it, and there's not real bells. It's just a giant PA system with massive speakers that blare bell sounds out over the neighborhood. And for 50 years, there's never been a bell tower in this neighborhood. And all of a sudden, they pull it in, and it sort of. It caused a little bit of tension for people because all of a sudden now every hour there's these bells. Yeah. But they also have a keyboard that controls the music that plays over the bells. And in my youth pastor days, I found the keyboard unlocked one day. <laughs> and I played, I played Metallica songs on the keyboard oh and set the bells out over the, over the thing. What's going on? <laughs> now, the, now the keyboard has a lock on it because I was, a bad, you. Yeah. I was a bad youth pastor. <laughs> Which is so, fair. I should not be access to that. So we're going to talk to Jana, who has always been, I think, whenever I meet you, very joyous and very, I don't know, you, I liked, I like talking to you about, I don't ever talk to anyone, especially if it's about like sermons, but I always like to be like, hey, what are you oh, teaching on? Too. And it's, I like it. Yeah. It's, um, so, but what were we just talking about before we did like, that? Oh, the, so. Oh, the image on your oh, Facebook right. page. What so, is it? Which I, I guess I didn't <laughs> So, Jason and I were It's funny that nobody else has ever questioned this. Yeah, no one has. <laughs> they just accepted that for what it is. <laughs> what is that? Oh, so, uh, you should go to our Facebook page and like it and look at the image. Uh, look at that. Maybe send us some money. Yeah, and send us a bunch of money. <laughs> Thousands of I get people telling me all the time, like, well, how are you going to monetize this? I'm like, What? <laughs> Who would pay for this? Um, so we were at a beard growing uh, competition. It was like uh, you had to start with shaven face. Yeah. You had to take a picture every day for four months. And there was like a winner every day. It was always kind of funny. Some days were themed. And that day was uh, recreate a popular piece of art. And so uh, back in like youth ministry days... There was... Um, if you went to like these it concerts, was, it was it was like that, there's... 
this artist that was always there, I think he was like, it's really sad to make fun of him because I'm not really making fun of him, but he like, you know, was on drugs and everything else and was saved out of that world. But he does these really crazy art pieces and there's this one, if you like Google heroin Jesus, it's, oh. it's a guy shooting drugs into his arm and there's like a skull and like a pentagram and like pistol. weed and a pistol and cards, cards, cards and like cocaine and like anything that you can think of that's bad all vices are laying around all the vices yeah. and he's shooting coke, uh, heroin into his arm but Jesus is standing behind him shooting his arm in there so Jesus yes. is taking the heroin shot oh, instead of uh, him so oh, we were like let's recreate so there's actually two pictures two. one where I'm Jesus taking the heroin, taking shot. The heroin <laughs> shot and there's one where Jason is Jesus so taking the heroin that's shot that's us that's us that's us is that kind of like the substitutionary I don't know I just thought atonement? it was hilarious <laughs> I think it's, and in that community I think they were like wow what, what kind of statement are you guys making like, nothing <laughs> what and we have like all the vices there they're there were a ton of sneaky Christians in that group. Yeah. Like people that were, oh. hey, we're gonna come in and we're gonna come in and save these these bearded pagans. And I think that every once in a while there was a I think people were aware that Justin and I were gonna drift and I like we really just I thought the picture was silly. It's it's audacious, it's gigantic. I'm like, oh well, this is silly, we can do this and it's it it made me laugh. But I, I forgot that, that was we'll have to make it yeah, so our artwork on our we sort of came up with this haphazardly during the podcast. The artwork is what I created on in PowerPoint, hmm. not not Photoshop, nothing else. What I did PowerPoint. in PowerPoint because that's what I have available. My this computer. nice feathered technique here. I know it's not even that. Not even, I can I can make the background transparent so I can layer images. That's all you can do in PowerPoint. Um, so can you tell me if we need to talk about this later? But we can talk about whatever. How about the name? What inspired the name of this? Oh, okay. interesting. Somebody made fun of us. One of the elders of our first made fun of us like, look how edgy you guys are because you used an inappropriate word. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's So this is how we came up with the name. Uh, so I wanted to podcast because I, Jason was just like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I like fell in love with podcasts and I think it's really fun. And so uh, we were trying to think of, I didn't want, uh, I don't know, there's thing, a lot of like things you can listen to in the Christian world that are podcasting and I don't know, most of them aren't very honest. So mm. one of my big things, I wanted it to be very honest. Like this is, some days it sucks. Some, mm. To be a pastor, some days it's horrible. And some days it's awesome. And like just to be able to be honest. And I couldn't find a lot of honesty out there. I found a lot of like, you know, sermons, which is great. Because mm. we have our sermons out yeah. there. Um, self-promotion. A lot of self-promotion oh. of books or something. Or just things that are so cheesy. I was like, this isn't real. Okay. This isn't helping. And so I was like, hey, we're going to be honest. Uh, and some days that's probably going to... Maybe I say something that offends somebody, or, may, or no, on purpose, this is just this is how I feel. Mm. And so I wanted something that said, okay, this is going to be worth listening to, and you might click on even if you're not into... Uh, mm. So I, so we immediately knew this is going to, especially some of our maybe more conservative Christian people would not click on it. But I'm like, I'm okay with that, because cause I even send it out to some of my like non-Christian friends, like, hey, do you think this sounds good or not or does yeah. it sound stupid uh, but we actually had a bunch of different names some safer some more uh, egregious than right, bastard yeah. bastards and we sent out to like all these people uh, and say hey send me back your favorites or make up your own the made up your own was really bad uh, <laughs> there was one I'm trying to think what they were now there was one that was like that's catchy but no yeah. Uh, but so Bastard Pastors won out. Everyone said that's the best one. But ever since then, there's another podcast called The Inglorious Pastards. 
Oh. Like play out with Tarantino. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. So we're going to fight um, them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, let's talk to you. Yes. What is, yes. off the top of your head, would you say, uh, one of the craziest things you've ever experienced in ministry? It could be funny, or it could be, uh, oh, God. you know, serious, like, oh, this is horrible. Ooh. Nothing comes to me like that, but I know. That's pretty, that's pretty good. Had, that's actually. That's <laughs> <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> you know, you're like, well, and I, don't, I don't know if this is because, you know, I've been an associate pastor essentially since I was ordained. And so, how long ago was that? Um, I was ordained in November of '07. Got it. And I know. I'm trying to think of times when I've sat in the chancel pew with my colleague and just fits you and giggles. You have a chancel pew? <laughs> That's fancy. We have a chancel. <laughs> I don't even know what a chancel that is. is, but it sounds yeah. like Star Wars. I had to learn too. We had one of those across you, I think. What's a chancel? Yeah. What's a chancel I think first? I learned that in my first call. Oh, that's a chancel. What's a chancel? So when you, uh, do you know what the nave is? The nave is the sanctuary. It's kind of, you know, sanctuaries are meant to... They're like a ship. Okay. That's the idea. And uh, so you have these rows of pews. That's the nave. And then you have the aisle. And when you go up... I grew up in the Lutheran church. Uh-huh. So we would call it an altar like mm-hmm. the Catholics and Episcopalians. Yeah. But then there's usually steps that go up to maybe a carpeted area where there's a marble... Mm-hmm. The Lord's Supper table or right. the altar. Is that what that would be the hall of the ship? Well, that's the chancel. And no, well, I don't know. The narthex is the... the in the back, the entryway. Right, right. Where's Before, the poop deck? The poop. <laughs> is that the pulpit? Uh, oh! <laughs> so are the pews supposed to be like like the people who are rowing well, shit? I think you might be taking it. Uh, I'm going to be stretching this too far. I, I can only picture shit like, now. I can only picture shit. This is the whole time about the rest of the deck. Like, well, where are the yeah. cannons at? So, no, the chancel. So it's got carpet. It has the big, or at least in our church, big marble stationary communion table that we really wish was not stationary because it's so far away. Yeah. When you're up there leading worship, you just, I just feel so far away from the people. Uh-huh. In our first service, we worship in what we call the commons. It's a, it's a new part, and it's a multi-use space right but it has a stage and a band and is that where the uh pinewood derby yeah yeah, take place yeah so we're we're just sitting with the people and we're not robed and we're preaching right you know it's a horseshoe so we sit in the chancel there are pews on either side that face one another so uh one is behind the pulpit one is behind the lectern and that's where the scripture reader sits on that side adam my colleague and i sit on the other side well, Do you wear a robe? At the second service, the traditional service, which happens in the sanctuary, we mm-hmm. wear a robe. So you have two services. We do. One is contemporary, is that what's called? Yeah, kind of blended, casual. Right. It's not, um, it's not full-out praise music, but right. there are beautiful renditions of right. even traditional hymns. Mm-hmm. So cool. it's, it's really good. So you have to preach twice when you preach. Yes. However, the church, I, my first call in Ann Arbor, first pres Ann Arbor, we had four services. Whoa, you had to do the and same service four times? Yeah. Wait, one, two, three. Do we have four or five? Jeez. But the the first three were in the morning, and then we had one at 5.45 in the evening. I always think that's so brutal. Oh, that's so brutal. That's a whole and day, if man. someone right out of the gate of seminary 
who just said, okay, God, I'll go, but I don't want the pulpit. I said right. that. I still say that. Right. <laughs> so to not, and unlike you, Jason, I can't, not, a sermon is never done. Right. Because yeah. you, you always and, seem a little like, uh, I know. okay, I don't know where this is going yet. And, and I, it just unnerves me. But And that's what I appreciate about you, Justin, is you're like, hey, what are you preaching on? You're just fearless, seemingly. And I love, I need that. I knew yeah. that. So to preach three services in the morning and go home and not keep tweaking. It's still on it. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. I just kept. Do you manuscript? Um, I, I more or less. I'm <clears throat> less. Um, I'm more off the page than I was, especially in that first call where I was reading it. Right. And you know the funny, the funny thing is, is I can see myself. I imagine myself preaching off the page. Mm-hmm. I want that. If I'm going to still be called to be a preacher, I don't want to be afraid anymore. And I, I want to just be standing, not in the chancel. I don't want to have to climb anything. Right. Because we climb. Yeah. There's something about, you know, I prefer the sermon on the plane. You and down Luke. there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the sermon on the level place. And Luke is my preference. Mm-hmm. So when I picture myself leaving, you know, God delivering me from this, this fear, this uh, perfectionism, fear of failure, I'm, I'm preaching from the floor. I'm probably dressed like this. And I don't have papers in my mm-hmm. hand. And I pause so we can have small group conversation. Yeah. And then, um, but what's happening, you guys, is it's happening. I mean, I walk out of here the last time I preached, I had way too many words. Right. And I didn't go through it to know. It's in me, though. And I thought, I'm, I can't preach all this, God. I can't. Right. And I find that when that happens, um, I'm learning to trust more, the Spirit, mm-hmm. that I, it is in me. Right. I'm, I don't have a photographic memory. I will never <clears throat> memorize a sermon, but it's something's in there. That's cool. It's That's very a- unnerving, but something's That's happening. What, well, I inherited coming out of the Presbyterian Church this fear of the pulpit. Because yeah. this is the, this everything about it says wait. Mm. Everything about it says authority. Everything about it says anything said from here should be deliberate and well thought out because people are going to listen to you. Yeah. Um, and so even now, I was I think I said this before the podcast. I still struggle with the idea of wearing shorts on weeks that I preach because I should have pants and a nice shirt on. Oh. We don't have a robe, but yeah. I should look nicer. I've, I've intentionally decided not to. I've always pictured us showing up with robes right, and yeah. people throwing <laughs> not stuff okay, right? Like, <laughs> but So I've intentionally, like the last couple of weeks, worn shorts and a t-shirt just to say, hey, this, you're, mm. you're, you're worried about something that nobody else cares about here. This isn't a thing you've got to stress mm. about. Um, but I still really, I worry about the weight of that. Nothing about our service says wait right. when we stand up and preach. Other than it's the only time everybody's quiet. Because they'll talk throughout the music. They'll talk. Right. They'll do oh. it. They won't talk while we're preaching. Okay. They're still. Mm, sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> that's only kind of true. It's the kind of true. Which is harder if they're falling asleep or if they're talking. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, what did you do before 2007? Um, well, it's funny. I've been having to write about that. I'm applying for a 30-day retreat. What? So and let's it, apply for that too. Do you want to go? It's in the it's in the hills of uh, uh, overlooking San Francisco Bay. This Jesuit retreat center. Ah, where is it? And I'm due a sabbatical in the summer mm. after seven years, and I've been there seven years. So That's my awesome. my sabbatical will be next summer for three months. That's amazing. And, and what uh, we do, just nothing. Well, 
Or do you have to write or something? At the retreat or yeah. the sabbatical? No, on your sabbatical. That's This week is spent um, planning that. Because right. I, I think I told Justin I... Uh, I slipped and fell and broke my arms. Oh my gosh. I fractured. So this is week five of recovery. I'm not back to the church yet. I've been mm. off. Yeah, I know. I sent you an email this morning to bounce back. I was like, oh, she's still... Oh, yeah. <laughs> but so I'm focusing on applying for this. Part of what I want to do is a 30-day um, retreat that where you work through the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius. Okay. And I've only, I've only... What I know about them is the prayer of examine, which is a... In youth group terms, it's when you when you ask you check in with yourself each day, maybe yeah. for five minutes. Right. And say what was my high and what was my low, or what was most life giving, what was most life sucking, and then you then you pause in silence and ask do where was now. God in that. That's awesome. So it's a really the the exercises are especially helpful if you're in discernment, mm-hmm. and um, I feel like I'm in discernment. Right. I. What are know. some of the other uh, exercises of St. Ignatius? I don't know any of them. Well, well except for the prayer of examine. And them. I can tell you very little because I, I usually know things on a need-to-know basis. Yeah, yeah. So That's when I awesome. get accepted to this, I just know that I feel called to do it. Mm-hmm. It is one of the things, and I actually learned this only when I met Jason, because um, I grew up in a Christian tradition that was like anything outside of uh, non-denominational, you know, uh, restoration history Christianity is wrong. Have you ever like, heard of restoration history before? I've heard the term, but I don't know. Yeah, no one did. But right. apparently, it's a big deal it's to a big like deal a thousand South? people. Is it Southern? It's, uh, well, it's Christ. Cincinnati Christian University. They're oh. they're like that too. Because uh, it actually starts in Cincinnati. I mean, yeah. it's most of its movement to the Church of Christ. But here. Church of yeah. Christ is two spectrums because there's Church of Christ. Uh, the well, there's uh, non-instrumental. Which but we were I, like, we're not I them. I met them in Peace Corps. Yeah, All these and then there's Church of Christ. Um, <laughs> yeah. They have another name that, like, they're way too liberal. Well, Apparently, the, United Church Church Church. Church. the United Church of Christ. The United Church of Christ, right? And so we learned all this in school. It was so stupid. But uh, <laughs> I grew up, I mean, I if you were Pentecostal, if you were Episcopalian, if you were Presbyterian, if you were Catholic, oh, that's like the worst. Are they still for um, a long time? So when I, I graduated from seminary there five years ago, yeah. and I took a cults class. And they were still like the professor taught and had was a guy who used to teach the Catholic Church as a cult. And he probably still would teach that if they didn't say you can't. <laughs> and I would say, and my because yeah. I would have this my question well, was like, if you don't go look, it fits right in. And I'd be like, so you, and I can be explosive at times, but I was like, so you hillbillies are going to stand up and say <laughs> that you figured out where Ignatius and um, uh, St. Patrick and. Uh, um, St. Francis, the greatest minds that Western thought and philosophy ever produced all came through the Catholic Church for 1,500 years. And you're smarter than all of them. You figured them all out. They're like, well, the Holy Spirit. I'm like, well, we oh. And I just, we I got just Raccoon John Smith. We got Raccoon. <laughs> There's leading, a guy named Raccoon John you're Smith. Leading, you're leading thought guy. If you die and animals attribute to you, you have succeeded in the world. <laughs> but so there was this, Raccoon so in the movement Judge was talking about, there's this pushback on anything they would say right. extra biblical. Because they would say right. there was the Reformation, mm-hmm. and then the Restoration was a break from the Reformation, and blah, blah, blah. Anyways, oh. it's all really dumb. Okay. So okay. Uh, it, it was actually a weird moment for me of when I, you know, I went through that. I grew up in that tradition. I went to school in that tradition, and I started working in my first church in that tradition. So I didn't know. I was just yeah. like, blah, 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 blah. And I, uh, you know, as a youth pastor, so I got involved in Young Life. 
Oh, and Young Life, they don't give a damn. Like, hey, you just come with Cindy wherever. They don't care. Yeah. And I started having breakfast with this Presbyterian, this Methodist, and some uh, and a Young Life guy. Uh, and I remember being like, I think they're just like me. <laughs> I think they're exactly the same thing. I had no idea. And so then meeting Jason, learning like. Like, he didn't know what Advent was. Yeah, when, Advent. When legend started, he had no to idea. To this day, when it's like, because we, we're going to get Advent, I'm like, ah, all right, guys, I do all the work here. Have you no idea. I have seen this. Yeah, because I was like, all right, guys, I know that we're supposed to like the camp. The blue or the band, I freak out every year. Every year. Lent. Lent's a disaster. Every time. It's because I just didn't know any of them. And I think they're all, when I hear about them, I'm like, oh, it's fascinating. So when I hear like the practices of Ignatius, I would never even thought of that because it's so cool. Oh, you know, I I know I've learned about myself I'm drawn to the mystics right and I'm a contemplative I just I'm always drawn to that stuff in fact have, I've been to Iona uh, Scotland mm-hmm. have you heard of the pilgrimage to yeah it, it's a, one of you the you have to ancient... apply for that right they yeah. limit the amount of people that can come because yeah. one of the guys on one of the church planning assessments that we were with Brad Ruggles mm-hmm. he just did it a week-long pilgrimage? The week-long pilgrimage to Iona, and his pictures were stunning. And I didn't actually pay attention yeah. to Iona, but his pictures were amazing. It's cool. I just what do you do? What is back. it? Well, the way I describe Iona is it's not a retreat, and it's not a conference. It's something in between, and it's not easy, and it's not hard. It's not, for me, it's not restful, but it's restorative. Mm-hmm. You are, um, and I, I would recommend reading about what the Iona community is. It's a group of about 300 people who have committed to a five-pronged rule of life together. Although they live all over the world. They're not just okay. hunkered down. What's the five prongs? Um, the first one is... So this is an island off of Scotland. Yeah, by the way, it's a tiny island. It's like a mile and a half wide, three yeah. miles long, off the west coast. And there's an ancient abbey there. And just real briefly, back in the turn of the 20th century, a, a Scottish Presbyterian pastor, George MacLeod, felt called to go take... A, both uh, pastors in training and laity and go restore that abbey because he was in the in the 30s the depression hit and he saw all this hardship in scotland and Mm. that the church was no longer equipped to adequately minister in this new environment Mm -hmm. there's Mm. poverty and industrialization and slums and so he felt a real call to go there and so through that effort of future pastors and current pastors and bricklayers and all these worksmen, they went to this little island and restored the abbey and he founded this community um, called the Iona Community. And the the five the five prong rule is one, they commit to daily uh, scripture and prayer. Uh, two is they are accountable to how they spend their money mm-hmm. um, and to tithing, but what they do with the rest of it. And then they have a they're accountable for how they spend their time. And a funny thing about that is what I when I read the history of this, they're all they're all working there, you know, these bricklayers and working alongside pastors. And uh, the 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 work people are complaining that the pastors aren't pulling their weight. You know, <laughs> to them it seems like they just really work on Sunday or whatever, you know, because they're not skilled at bricklaying. Right, right. They, they're doing other things. So <laughs> and of course then this little quarrel, this infighting happens. But So that has something to do with the, the rule of we are accountable to one another and how we spend our time. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and then the fourth one is they commit to acts of social action and justice 
wherever they live, hmm. like whatever context you are. And then the fifth one is they commit to meeting once a, once a year with other community wow. members. Ideally, you go to Iona mm-hmm. and hang out at the Abbey together. Um, but there are, there are members in the United States, and they might meet regionally, like in New York or Ohio. That's or cool. And it's kind of like it's got a, the, the whole island has a like St. Patrick era history, like some of the yes. first Christians that came to Ireland and Scotland. Iona was one of the first sort of communities that, that existed. Yeah. So when you went, what, what's the journey? So what I, what I, I'm trying to explain why I keep going back, but there's, they, George McLeod and, and many who go and experience this week, which is all focused on building community, where we're kind of living like the monks used to live where we have three meals together and we all have chores. <clears throat> it's kind of symbolic now, but it really does help the mostly volunteer staff keep mm-hmm. the place running. So you're either an otter, a puffin, or a seal. You're assigned Ew. to these what little task groups. And Well, I have been all three. You've been otter. So if I was an otter, three. Three. If I'm an otter, that means I help set up for breakfast and I get to chop vegetables for lunch. I and love hanging out in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you laughing my Swim on my back. Yeah. I'm easy. <laughs> um, and seals have set up for dinner, and then they help prepare. I don't know some, some other things, but the the puffins they help set up for lunch, and they also have to clean toilets. And one of my jobs as a puffin was to reset the coal fireplace. So I got to go out with my little cool. bucket and. Shovel a little coal and put it in there. Not, and all the Brits knew how to work right. a coal fireplace. Mm-hmm. A lot of people who go are from the UK, but they're also from all over the world. Huh. But the, the, the rhythm of the week is we begin and end each day with worship. Mm-hmm. Breakfast is before worship, but 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. we have worship in the Abbey. And the, the leaders of these pilgrimages, the Iona community members who go to, to stay at the Abbey to host us, they only ask that we never miss two things out of any day all week, and that is mealtime and our chore time. Hmm. And that's because that's where we're building community. Right. And I learned so much. My very first, and this still informs my life, um, my very first pilgrimage was back in 2012. And I was, a, I was an otter, so I was on breakfast duty, and they say, come at 7.45, and, and we all have, some are making toast, some are setting out the jam on the table. Well half of our group got there early and they did almost everything and then you know all we fastidious protestant you know we're just so i don't know what we are but the host um that week is this nutty crunchy you guys would love him he's in he's got a beard like you jason nutty crunchy pastor of the union presbyterian church or union church in glasgow he wears a kilt and tie-dye Rainbow socks nice. and a tie-dye t-shirt, and he swims in that ocean every morning. I mean, this place is That's awesome. But so he came and discovered that those of us coming on time had nothing to do. And he said, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> it's important that you arrive on time. If you come early, then no one, not everyone has a task, and then you're not in community together. Right. You're not rubbing elbows together. You're not yeah. talking to... I'm not getting to know you know, Harry, but while we're putting the butter on the table or something, right, right. that taught me a lot. Yeah, it's cool. not about, it's just not about our agenda and getting our jobs done. Right. right. Are we building community? And that's their goal. Cause that's what Jesus did. With our last, the yeah. last church, my wife and I went to, we were setting up in a high school 
And so every morning we set up chairs. There was people who set up chairs and yeah. children, these kind of things. And it was interesting because the, there started to be pressure early on there about, okay, when we, we're tired of getting here early, tired of sitting up the chairs. Mm-hmm. And then the pastor there, well, he's like, if we didn't do this, you just wouldn't hang out. Oh. Right. He's like, every week, he said, there's we something. We haven't used that angle in our church. We haven't used that yet. That's, that's our last <laughs> card. belly gaking these days about getting a building. And I'm like, oh, but there really is something, oh. even at our church, there really is something powerful in the group of people who show up so, every week early to help set up. Yeah. They have tighter relationships than some of the other people because they're just doing, and it's not profound, right? They're setting up oh. chairs. They're, we're all yelling at each other. It's like, like 8.45 or 9 o'clock hits. Yeah. If you start to get stressed, you get stupid chairs and um, get this kind well, of thing. And for our children who've been doing it since they were <clears throat> It's just in church. infancy, like church starts with running around being crazy and somewhere oh. in the four hour stretch, they transition like, to, they sing or something, but it's all church. They, wow. they church is from set up to tear down. Right. And them all, they've kind of all been there since yes. they were infants. It's interesting being, having moved from the Presbyterian church where I grew up into this non, and then I went to the Vineyard church, then I was leading worship at a Baptist church, and now I'm this sort of non-denominational church. Mm-hmm. Um, the non-denominational church suffers from not having traditions and histories like things like Iona mm. right the Presbyterian Church can always point back to this 600 year span yeah. of things that we've learned and things that we've done and things that have worked and things that are and especially and I've thought this for a long time without it being trendy or a byword in a world that is entirely transient now like my world resets mm. itself every 30 seconds something brand new happens mm. to be able to lay claim to a tradition that has remained constant for 600 or 1000 or 2000 mm. years there's a lot of sort of power and permanence. And this is one, I think it's one of the services the church can offer is yeah. we will always be, in this example, we will always be building communities that I own. Mm. No matter what happens, no matter where you, where you go, where your job does, what new technology, and we're going to, we're going to rush to embrace those things too, but there's something powerful and the permanent, and I always, in my experience at seminary, I kept thinking like, you guys are so disconnected from church right. history. And every once in a while mm. they'll go through and one guy tried to argue that that St. Patrick was like a proto, a proto-Baptist. Like that his theology was this. I was like, St. Patrick was a loyal, loyal member of the Catholic Church that he mm-hmm. loved and served and gave his life to. And you well, can't and take him out of that. Well, that's the joke there is that there was Jesus and the apostles and then nothing until Alexander Campbell. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's and that, it. That's, that's all they taught. Right. I mean, that's you, actually so you take the nothing, church. Nothing. Is it Alexander Campbell the... The Restoration Movement. The, the Restoration Movement. Okay. Um, He's for I have a question for you. So yeah. how do you take your contemplative mysticism and the yeah. things that you learn from something like Iona and put it into the context of Knox Presbyterian Church, yeah. who is more established, uh-huh. right? Maybe a little... <clears throat> is it an older congregation there? No, not. I don't know. Well, I don't know what the... You know, percentages, I couldn't tell you. Right. I don't I don't keep track of that like, stuff. Like, are you but able to practice what you love and learn of those things into where you're content? I think so. What I... I mean, I guess you might well, have to say it if somebody no, listens. No, no. <laughs> I, I had the joy of... The first two times I went on pilgrimage... Well, the first time I went, I actually hooked up with my previous church in Ann Arbor. I, Someone here told me about Iona, and I just... I don't know, my heart leapt. Mm-hmm. I thought... I gotta go taste that. And the second time I was going to go by myself and then a friend from church, it just it just became clear uh, to ask her and so she went with me. Last year I got to lead a pilgrimage myself of 13 others from Knox. Hmm. So I got to, sh- that's and that's cool. what I want. I, well, I want to awesome. share that's, it. That's a great way to integrate. Um, so, you know, very practically in one way we shared it with the congregation is we kind of simulated an, an Iona experience. We had a dinner, we had the ta- long tables mm-hmm. of the refectory, and we had a, 
a puffin at each end if, or a seal. It was dinner. So whoever's chore it was, you have to sit at each end of the table and help mm-hmm. clear the table, set the table. And then we, we offered a, um, a video, a film of all of our pictures and explained mm-hmm. the rhythm of the week. But for me, I know I, I just love Celtic spirituality and right. I, I, I have my little Celtic devotional book over mm-hmm. there that I've been reading. So it informs how I pray. It informs, I know it informs my preaching somehow, but I try to more and more have courage to incorporate some silence, Mm -hmm. either in prayer or in my sermon. My colleague, Adam, is all about that too. He's done that too, where we just ask the people to pause because no one does that. Right. Who does that? Right. I feel like you've just solidified that every person especially a few that we meet with are way better Christians than I am. <laughs> well, I'm like, oh, I want to do that. I well, should do that. It's, it's been a weird, so as part of the podcast, one of the weird things that's happened for us. You're really us, awesome, by the way. We keep getting you're really good. Just, I know, I feel the whole time, I'm like, ah, this is awesome. Because of, because of who we are, we get pigeonholed as um, edgy, which normally means crass. Mm-hmm. And, and fair, that's, that's fair. That's not an unjust label. But... But so we get we get labeled and pushed into different Jolly crass. into different uh, different groups, and the group that we were told to meet with was all the young church planters, the young sort of rebels, all the young reformed guys, and we and we tried that. And you know what they would never ever talk about is enhancing your spiritual life no, and emotional no, no, no. life ever. No. And all the church planting sessions we went to, they never they they did every personality test that you could think of Myers Briggs and the disc and this and that. And they yeah. tell you what your family of origin and where you suck and where you'll be good and where you this and but they never once asked us, hey, how's your devotional life? Hey, oh. uh, how are you doing spiritually? Hey, how what you or they even, don't they don't even they don't cram even there. To teach, success, even right? to teach. Oh, here's a. Because a Celtic way of sort of pursuing spirituality is going to be very different than a Roman way of pursuing mm. spirituality, or an Anglican way, or even a non-denominational way. Like the Church of Christ has its 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 methods and its processes and the things that it goes through, and so we don't fit in with that crowd. And then, wow. and then because we look so straight, like uh, none of us are going, neither one of us are going to be going into preaching at high church churches wearing robes. Like that's not our mm. crowd. But we keep meeting with these pastors who. Um, have their sort of unique taste. So it's been really encouraging to see because those are the kind of things that we feel like I think we're pursuing too is spirituality mm. and those kind of things where where I think so much of Christianity for the last for our generation anyway has been boiled down to sort of this hardcore sort of culture war stuff and we don't know where we fit in those wars anymore. So, yeah, because that's I mean, you might have just put my son thing on Sunday like this, like hearing about devotion. Like devotion is very encouraging and. Because you want to drink that up, whereas like most of the other church stuff you hear is leadership or this or that, and I'm like, I don't care about those things. I like they never have. <laughs> right. I mean, if I did, I might be talking to you about. Well, if you did, you'd be in the corporate world. Right. In the world. If you did, you, you wouldn't have time to be with world. us and do our podcast. <laughs> right. Well, you absolutely not only not have time, it wouldn't be worth your investment of your time. If, oh. you, if leadership and reproduction was your big goal, we're not part of your community. We're not mm. part of the. I mean, in that world of mindset, we're not part of your church. We're not leading small groups and if leadership and production reproduction is the big deal mm. then that's what you do and those people all decide it'll be worth the investment <laughs> over and over and over again um, but I, I love this I love the idea of of the community being built around the day to day activities because that's I read a Celtic spirituality book and it talked about 
a woman, as she got ready for the day, every mundane activity be, became an excuse for prayer. So as, as she lit the first fire in the morning while the kids were sleeping, yeah. she prayed for, for the, 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 the tongues of flame to fall on her children and the Holy Spirit wow. every day. And as she washed the dishes, she prayed that God's Spirit would cleanse her children and her family. And that she, mm. as she cooked the meal, that, that they would be nourished physically and the Spirit would come and nourish them. Yeah. With the Mandy, Mandy this kind of thing. Oh, like, you know Mandy, right? Well, yeah, you asked me that a lot. Yeah. I've met her once because Troy Jackson. Oh, that's right. I met with Troy at Rose that Street. That keeps coming. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. Do you know him? Uh, I've met him. I don't know him. Know him. Oh, yeah. I know Mandy well, not her. Yeah. yeah. I'm feeling. It's fun to watch. It's fun to watch these sort of like, I think this is starting to gel together where denominational lines are seen as colors and flavors, but it's okay to cross them now. Mm-hmm. It's okay for you as a Presbyterian to meet with Mandy at UCC or us at non-denomination or whoever it is. Whereas I think probably a couple of generations ago, it, it seems like denominational lines were so pretty pretty sacred that, that you didn't tend mm-hmm. to work outside of them. I don't know because I wasn't in ministry then. I don't. You know, you guys, it's so funny when you talk like that. I, I always say I did not, I did not say to God, pick me. Right, right, right. You know, this really found me and mm-hmm. I went really scared, but I went. I was mm-hmm. like, okay. But I've never been, a, how can I say, a churchy pastor. Yeah, yeah. And I became a Presbyterian the day one of seminary, I think, because I, I was worshiping at a Presbyterian church in Seattle. I've been living in Seattle. I went to Princeton. Okay, gotcha. Um, and I went there because I was working in a Christian nonprofit in Seattle at the time. This is post-Peace Corps years. And this is where this whole thing happened. All of a sudden, everyone's telling me, why aren't you in seminary? Have you thought about Um, So I I opened up to the idea. That's awesome. And my colleague in this little marketplace ministry, was a, she was a ordained PCUSA pastor who graduated from Princeton. And I remember Renee said, Jana, if you don't visit Princeton, I'll be very offended. I mean, she just had such a remarkable experience there. So it was one of the seminaries I considered and visited. But I I thought, you know what? Seminaries probably want want you to be a member of a church. So I I went through a quick membership of my little Presby church in Seattle before I... And then I started learning about the... I was raised in Missouri Synod Lutheran. Do you... Uh, Did you find, oh, I really... I like... The particulars about the Presbyterian different or better than the Lutheran sort of particulars in terms of like church governance and polity and those kind of things. Is that what helped draw you on, or was it the community people at the time? Or well, what? No, it had nothing to do with governance. And okay. I didn't even know the difference until okay. I started learning about that stuff right. in seminary and also just working in the church. Yeah. But I, when I moved to Seattle a couple years after college. Um, some friends, some parent friends of our, my friend and I said, well, you should check out this Presby church. And, and I went and I remember thinking, oh my gosh, this is, this is fun. Mm-hmm. It's, it was still kind of high church for a, a West coast, yeah. but it was, there was no 12 page bulletin falling apart in my hand. There was right. no standing up and sitting down mm-hmm. 10 times. There was no dirgy hymn. And I was intellectually stimulated. Mm. And I think I was ready for that. I was 24 years old. And then after Peace Corps, um, it was time to start finding another worshiping community. And this one was a smaller church. And that, in that church, it was the people. Yeah. And it was, you guys would have fit in. It was, um, we worshiped in movie theater. It, it originally, most of the congregants were, you know, what we'd call bat cavers and Mohawks and 
um, pierced. That's what we called the. Um, like gall kids? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. That, that was the. Bat gamers. That's freaking bat. Way better than gall. A bat gamer. Because you come from the back of a cave where the bats live. That's awesome. But this community was so free. And we had a rock band. It was quality. Yeah. And anything. And I just was. I was growing so much in my my walk with Christ during those. I mean, it it, it was scary. It's cool. It's I was cool afraid story. of the growth happening. Yeah. Because I I didn't know. Am I am I going to become a Jesus freak here? And my yeah. friends and family not going to recognize? Am I not going to recognize me? But it was all in service to more freedom. Anytime I go through something like that. I know that there's more freedom on the other side, and that something similar happened. Such a happened. great perspective, man. Well, it's called living years, you know. <laughs> something similar happened at Knox within the first couple years, where I experienced this evolution toward um, more. You know, I'm a progressive, mm-hmm. but I had never really had had to or even paused to question my eighth grade confirmation faith. Hmm. I wouldn't have considered myself, you know, whatever we call evangelical, but I just knew I, I, I trusted God. I, I knew Jesus was, Christ is alive. Right. But to have a colleague like I did, an amazing man, Tom, my first colleague at Knox, and hear him preach, I just suddenly, I'm like, and I in the books he and Knox were reading, I'm reading and. Oh my gosh! I don't even know what I believe anymore. Mm-hmm. And if I don't know what I believe, how am I supposed to preach? I mean, I really was—I didn't know what to do with all right. of this. But I kept reading, and in my—I just stayed the course. So, but on the other side, I'm just more free. I don't have to believe. I'm not creedal and dog. It's not about dogma right. and creeds. It's not about belief. It's about the life of the spirit and how is the spirit moving right. us in I mean some day. of the people who I've met just via retro like Liz for example who loves like oh you go to Knox it's really cool because yeah. I don't even know if she's really a believer but she likes to go to your church which is kind of awesome yes. and I like her a lot anyways but. yeah I saw that she liked your your pa- Facebook page oh did she <laughs> oh crap she'll probably listen to this <laughs> She's, oh, no, she's she'll awesome. blush. I oh, yeah, love her, and I love that when she said, "Oh, when I saw you guys, I guess you guys had coffee or something like that." I was like, yeah. "Oh, you guys know each other." Oh, she's one of the first friends I made at Knox. First yeah. people I mm-hmm. ever met, and yeah. It's funny when I was at when I was the Presbyterian Church. Knox was the church of weight in the city, and I remember uh, my worship or the worship leader at Christ when I worked there, who's still somebody I look up to. Like he would talk about Knox as, mm. "This is a church that if they weigh in one way or the other." That care it's it's almost like two votes if it comes down to it that this if Knox goes people are going to give that weight that this is a church given thought and credence here within the Presbyterian mm. movement and um, and I was I was youth pastor when this local Presbytery was really struggling with cultural war issues and and how they define themselves internally and how to make sense of those kind of things and so we had lots of like tense meetings all the time that I was never part of because I wasn't ordained. So oh. I could just be around the outsides of them, which is good. They didn't want me to be part yeah. of them at all. Oh. It, would not, it wouldn't have been healthy. They wouldn't know what to do no, with you. I, I, and I wouldn't have known what to do there. Like, it's, it's not a criticism yeah. of them at all. And um, so, But um, it's still, my kid's school is two blocks from Knox. Oh, Hyde Park? Yeah, so oh, my kids go to school there. And I'm, okay. I serve on the leadership board there. But uh, nice. whenever we drive away, I'm like, Dad, that church is huge. Well, and your Leo went to preschool at Knox, right? No, Leo went to preschool at Redeemer. Oh, Redeemer. Uh. 
Yeah. Did Lu- Lucas get a Knox? No. Lucas Who did we pick up at Knox? We used to pick somebody up there all the time. No. Huh. <laughs> it's a great, great preschool from what I hear. And there are four or five great preschools and big churches there on, on yeah, like that, those two streets. Yes. Yeah, because the Methodist Church has one, St. Mary's has one, yeah, that's Redeemer cool. has one. Yeah. yeah. I guess I'm picturing Redeemer than I was. You know, I'm just thinking about the first question you asked me, and I know I have some outlandish stories to share, but I don't know how many female pastors you've talked to yet, but some of the things that stick out that aren't funny necessarily, but that happen to You should hear Manny's stories. Okay. The first one we heard was horrible. Let's hear it. So you probably, I, you know, mine haven't been horrible, but, um, you know, I remember wearing the robe, you know, when I first got ordained and... I'm just not a skirt or dress gal. I, I mean, it's rare that I would... But one of the first times I preached, a, a gentleman um, on my way out, on my, you know, I'm back in the narthex yeah. reading, and he, he was an usher captain. He said, good job. He said, you know what my mother would say is that you should be wearing a skirt. And then at this church... Um, oh, because you had pants on underneath yeah, your robe? Yeah. Oh, they didn't so, like, yeah, so yeah. I've heard um, when I have worn a skirt... What if we common to say when, like, why why even say that? Like, what okay, yeah, is the just, purpose? Yeah. So <laughs> so one day worse. I did uh, rarely again. I'm wearing a skirt, so I have a, I have my robe on and a skirt and some strappy shoes or with sandals. It's summertime and, and then I get nice ankles. And then um, on my on the way out, you know, I had preached and what, what I do you do? what I Sorry. first of all, this is something, I'll just confess to you, my greatest biggest God with a small G is worshiping the good opinion of others and mm-hmm. it causes me all kind of grief and I'm you know I I care too much about um, approval right right so I'm trying you know God is working with me on this because I want liberation <laughs> so after I preach to go I wish we didn't even do that I wish I just stayed up front and if anyone wants to talk to me talk, you to, talk me. to me in fact I need to share with you guys this book before we go this has helped me so much um but he suggests pastors. Um, he's into. He's a Christian, but it's the art of pastoring. Yeah, you can't see by William C. Martin, and he's ordained in the Reformed Church. But he has studied um, on Eastern thought, mm-hmm. right? And so he says, you know, pastors, um, why don't you come early to church and greet your people mm-hmm. as they come, come in? in. And then after church, don't go back and greet and, and just wait for accolades for your sermon. Right. You know, how anonymous can you be right. is his charge. And so I, I keep that in my mind. But, you know, as it is, we go back and we shake hands. And, you know, I'm usually feeling like I just took my clothes off up there in the pulpit. Anyway, I feel so exposed. Yeah. And I just sometimes just want to go crawl into a hole. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, every, but, every Sunday so, afternoon. Yeah, okay, <laughs> you guys get it. Every Sunday oh, afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, when's it going to hit me, you know? Right. But this one time, you know, I'm shaking hands and I get nice hairdo. You know, I've often wondered how many men get comments right. on their appearance. I don't right. know. Do you never, guys know? never. Um, uh, I might get made fun of because I've got the wrong sandals on. Okay. Where's Tevas? I wear Tevas. Hiking sandals are not acceptable. Do they smell? No. Good. You're okay then. <laughs> Thank you. In the Peace no, Corps, uh, we all wore them. Well, I mean, that was basically Mandy's stories. A guy came up to her and said, you have the nicest legs of any pastor I've ever seen or something. And it was, yeah. like, horrible. Like, I mean, and... Like, I actually say that to my wife, I'm going to lose my mind. And who would dare... I can't imagine somebody saying that to a pastor. Well, and it's so... And, like, that's... 
I mean, I, I thought about even asking about it, like, but I didn't know if it was just about being a woman in that world because that was her. Again, she, you're in a place where it's at least accepted, and I think in her role, that tradition says no, no, no. So she's doing something like, oh, like, because really? even the school will, she's, some people won't accept her as a pastor because she's not allowed to take preaching classes. Because she takes public speaking classes. Because yeah. you can't. Wait, preach is she there. taking classes? No, 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 no. But if she, but a like, woman at that school, she can't went take to that school. What school? Uh, CCU. And uh, yeah, and her I, husband's a, a professor there, and uh, so they will tell him like, or they'll say that you're you know, you're you want to pastor. It's, I think it's one of those things that it's ridiculous. It's horrible. I feel grateful. I've always I've never had to deal with that. I've always been supported by my family. Yeah. Um. I don't. Truthfully, I don't know if my dad would listen to other female preachers. It's right. not like they. I don't. I'm too scared to ask. Actually, I know he, he's so proud of me, and right, he right, cries right. every time I open my mouth. So that tells me something. Right, I mean, right. in a good way. Right. <laughs> right, 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 right. Well, she has a line. Yeah. Uh, she said it like she really feels that, especially the modern our culture's church right now needs a feminine voice because for so long we represented power and authority and these sort of things, and that to bring that in a different light. Um, she's like, I feel like the, the world needs that right now, or the church world needs that, and, I, uh, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, we are, um, in the image of God, we are created, male and female. We are yeah. created, and I feel really, I'm glad that the congregations I've served so far, which are just two, um, there are both men and women clergy, right. and I don't know. I don't understand the women who don't believe. Right. Or the churches that, that don't they believe. Need, that they, we need all the voices. And right. we've always said, because uh, I, I guess uh, we met with someone and we were like, you know, Legend Community Church, we don't have a stance on anything. Uh, we, have, we, we have a stance on Jesus, basically, mm-hmm. but if you're asked us about certain things, like, well, there's some people in our church who may like that, may not like that. I think this. Jason may not think that. Yeah. Uh, but then we said, well, I guess we have sort of Sunk our flag in egalitarian because we are completely, so that's fine. My, I had a professor who would agree with us on that, but the the movement didn't. And then like we were taking I was taking a class on First Timothy and he's like, Hey, hey Wilcoxon, you guys you guys believe the Bible over there in Oakley? <laughs> yeah, man, we believe the Bible. Why? He's like, But man, you your wife's on your leadership team, she's an elder of your church. Says so right there, women can't be in leadership, man. You you know that, that you don't believe the Bible. It's like you know what? But he knew that he couldn't sort of argue or articulate this because of the politics. So, and he also knew that I enjoyed setting fire to classroom discussions, and so <laughs> I did. And my wife would have been smarter than every person in that room. Like my wife, like to find anybody to argue that she shouldn't be guiding our church's leadership was silly because yeah. she's one of the smartest people that goes to our church and was willing to serve. And that for us would always be the dividing line: Are you willing to serve? And yeah, and then for us, it's are you are you called? Where are you called? Yeah. And I can't tell you how many people I sat next to in seminary who came from traditions, my female friends, that did not, did not honor them sitting next to me. And, and I, I have this call in my life. What am I supposed to do with it? Mm-hmm. You know, Southern Baptist. And yeah. It was a journey I didn't have to deal with. But right. Not What's awesome. And that's been my yeah. take, one of the biggest takeaways from today is I love how positive and progressive your mm-hmm. entire journey has been as opposed to... I think a lot of times mine, a lot of mine has to do with relearning and rejecting mm-hmm. things that I holding on to the truths, but then saying, okay, with well, some of that I have to push out and I have to grow over. Whereas I feel like yours is such a positive 
good journey forward. Well, it it has been not easy, you know, yeah, with all sure. those wrestlings, but I just I don't know. Well, but my hope is for at least for myself that always comes out if I'm being led by the Holy Spirit. Everything works, right? Yes. Eventually, yeah. it gets to a point, and it doesn't mean we don't stop and say, "Hey, whoa, whoa!" When people are hurtful and back off, we don't we 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 live and work in the environment mm-hmm. we're in. But at some point, that I have to, I have to believe that this is the direction I'm supposed to be in, mm-hmm. and trust God to protect me on that journey where I need protected. And maybe there are places where I don't need protected, and it's fine. And mm-hmm. uh, that's been the thing. Ultimately, and maybe this is my Presbyterianism is just to walk back and say. You believe this is where God's calling you. Mm. This is the only direction you can now go with that. Mm. There's one, so there's no more options. So, and then you do a better job. It seems like of being positive inside that, whereas I'm angsty and breaking at walls and pushing and shoving and yelling. So that's that's what I do. Well, you might be more loud, but I weep and gnash my teeth. <laughs> right. Jason's the prophet. Jason's the prophet. <laughs> I like that. I well, like prophets. I think we're out of time. Um, thank you so much. If you're in Cincinnati, you should go to Knox Presbyterian. You motherfuckers need Jesus!